once again we caution you. These stories are definitely not for the timid soul. So we tell you calmly and very sincerely, if you frighten easily, turn off your radio now. Vincent, will you reveal the winner? No, please, you do it. Uh, openings always make me shaky. <laughs> the winner is Rick Baker for an American Werewolf in London. Well, first of all, I'd like to thank the Academy for creating this new category, and I'm very proud to be the first winner. Yes. I'd like to thank John Landis and George Foley for making the film. David Naughton and Griffin Dunn for the cooperation. I'd like to thank my crew, Doug Beswick, Tom Hester, Steve Johnson, Sean McEnroe, Bill Sturgeon, Kevin Brennan, and Lane Baker for working so hard and doing such a great job. I'd like to thank my parents, Doris and Ralph Baker, for their love and support. And last but not least, I'd like to thank a man who's been a real inspiration to me, Dick Smith. For all that Dick has contributed to the art of makeup, he deserves an Academy Award more than any makeup artist I know. podcast i'm tom carnell i'm heather buckley and i'm langley west and tonight we are here for episode 102 and which we're going to look we're going to dive deep into the career and filmography of one rick baker rick baker rick baker is the the one guy that i can kind of um point to and say here's the guy that took over from dick smith yeah um, both in in it, kind of just in in what he's w- was doing and and the um, um, in the work, but also it, literally because he some of his early jobs was working for Dick Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, and a, and a legend. Yeah, absolutely, absolute legend. and a guy that is uh, you know like. I, you're not going to hear any horror stories about Rick Baker, right? Um, and uh, about how he, you know, his personality and that kind of thing. Or, you know, I haven't read Steve Johnson's book yet, so maybe there, <laughs> maybe there are. He mentioned Steve Johnson when he won. He won the very first Academy Award for Best Makeup Effect for American Werewolf in London. Yeah, and in his speech, he uh, he calls out. Steve. Um, Steve Johnson. Well, yeah, because Steve they established that to him for him that award. I, he was the one that that they'd always considered it the same way that they've they've always considered like an Academy Award for stuntmen, but there isn't one, right? Um, uh, and American Werewolf in London was the movie that was like, yeah, we yeah, have to, make we got to do it now, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, because Steve Steve worked on uh, he was one of the assistants on mm-hmm. American Werewolf in London. Yep. yep. So so here we have that 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 lineage, you know. Dick Smith, Rick Baker, Steve Johnson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. The bonus material podcast. That's right. <laughs> I, I found out about Rick Baker just from reading about reading in Fangoria. I almost feel like while Langley can pinpoint like this was sort of just just you do um, VFX, FX, and stuff like that, and you were into it, and you researched him, and he's sort of part of like your career identity and artist. To me since that was ever my focus to go into FX, it's like he was always there in my life. Like, I can't pinpoint, 
like why I know about Rick Baker, why he's so important. It's just that he's a huge staple in my heart and in my mind and an FX artist that I look up uh, I I look up to his work. Well, he was a Fangoria favorite. He was he always was. in Fangoria. Well, yeah. That's yeah, why, yeah. I think why he's in why I eternally know about Rick Baker because it's yeah. like there's no time period that I could go back to. It's like that's when I read about him. Right, right, right. Oh, what is there? Always there. One of the things I found out that kind of surprised me is that one of his first jobs in, um, one was in 1968 for two episodes and one was in from 71 to 72 for 12 episodes. But he was an artist on the Gumby show and he was also worked on Davy and Goliath. Yeah, you know, what's really cool about Rick Baker is he comes from that same crop of people that, um, that all these uh, stop motion animators from that time period came from that worked on the Gumby show, worked on Davy Gunn and Goliath, worked at Projects Unlimited, um, the Jim Danforths, the Doug Bestwigs, th- these guys. And he, he's from that same crowd, and he he did some stop-motion-related stuff, like doing um, artwork on those shows. Mm-hmm. But he also built the um, Beetleman uh Stop motion puppet for Flesh Gordon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have that written down too. It's amazing. Again, th- it's this guy's filmography. As you go through it, you just shake your head because it's one out of the park hit after after another. Yeah. But there are these little weird things that come up. Like I found, like he worked on early on on like Live and Let Die, um, uh, Food of the Gods, Tanya's Island. Food of the Gods, some classy stuff. Yeah. yeah, some of some of his filmography, he'll do something really high level, and then clearly just to take a job, he takes some weird thing. But what's interesting is, is that if as we go through this, you'll you'll see this for yourself. But it's um, uh, there's always these themes that go through there, apes, yeah, and 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 making making animals, monsters yeah. seem like they're monster, monster kid first, of course, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe we could see that in his filmography, you feel. Oh, yeah. absolutely. But you'll see him take weird little movies like Track of the Moon Beast, uh, 1976. Clearly not for money, but other than the idea that he got to make a cool monster. Well, that was early on. and Yeah. Well, that, know, yeah. And so, you know. You, you, but here in 88, Missing Link. Like, there's no money in Missing Link. What are you talking about? It's like one of the greatest movies I've ever made. <laughs> I first became aware of Rick Baker from Starlog. Yeah. Um, there, they, Starlog, for a while, had this great running series on uh, effects people. You know, like each one, they would focus on some... And, and for a while, it was all makeup effects guys. And uh, and they, they did the Rick Baker one... And at that time, Rick Baker wasn't Rick Baker yet, you know? Yeah. But he was making this movie called The Incredible Melting Man. And there's this awesome photograph of uh, youngish Rick Baker surrounded by hundreds of melting heads. <laughs> just like stuff. It's like the Savini photo. Have you yes. ever seen that? Of yeah. him in a sea of all of the all masks of a lot of his work. I think it... I think it it uh, helped him a lot um, that he got to do the second unit um, aliens to beef up the uh, cantina scene mm. in Star, Star Wars. Wars. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there was a couple of things in there. Today, I mean, it's the one that was touched a little bit. Mm. So it with that horrible Jabba in it, but he had such beautiful work. Um, yeah. One one other thing that popped up early on in his his uh, filmography that I thought was kind of interesting was he worked on Black Caesar. I know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I just love that. Larry Cohen and Fred yeah. Williamson. And, and you know it was probably just some like generic bullet hits or yeah. just, so you know, a day's work. We need you to make some blood. But I love that. I, I would love to have something like Black Caesar on I know, right? I mean, like you've got all these great movies like Men in Black and yeah. all this stuff. And But why would you not have like, you know, Black Caesar be right up front, you know? <laughs> I know. It's like, <laughs> look. Motherfucker, I worked on Black Caesar. I know, man. Black Caesar in the front, Star Wars in the back. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, you know, again, as you... It's... There were a couple of things that did pop up. Autobiography of Miss Jane Pittman. Yeah. I think that must have been either, like, a day a day gig or whatever, but... Uh, that was in the old age makeup? Yeah, he, he created the makeup that... The, on, on I guess her and then would right. hand it off to people to do it daily but he got a you know the, the credit is there um, but he, again he also worked on a lot of stuff early on as a lot of artists do uncredited um, which I none of which I can remember off the top of my head right now um, I, I, uh, at my the thing that I do all my my documentary stuff is that you'll find that at some point in the history of cinema, everyone's name is on the film that worked on it, but sort of like in the 80s and 70s, and even before that, it just seems like they listed four special effects people. Right. Mm-hmm. But there was like 25 to 30 working on them, where people would like move in and out of the shops. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I got him I got him here early on, uncredited on It's Alive, um, uncredited on King Kong. Well, see, oh, there's your... I think he's on the desk for it for it's alive. Say again. I said I've, I've I've heard that he was on it's alive. Is um he didn't he create the child and yeah. the um he made the, the yeah. little baby and I, and I remember re- listening to the commentary is that when the baby's like mouth is is screaming and biting that was his girlfriend at the time wearing like the baby head. Wow, beating the baby's mouth. I love that baby. That scene. Where the father is crying, it's like, "Don't cry, baby." It's just my heart breaks. It's like, "Pick up that monster, baby. Love it. <laughs> let, yeah, let it eat your face." There's your Larry exactly. uh, Cohen uh, connection, right? It's alive. Yeah. yeah. Now, so clearly he did he did good work on the other stuff. Um, something called Bone was his first film. Oh, that's another. I think that's another black. Is that with Larry, Larry, Larry Cohen, Yapet Koto is in yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, I wouldn't even know what he would do on it because that's like a straight. Black exploitation film. Well, I think it's a gig. Number one and number two, it's bu- probably bullet hits or ca- car accidents or you know somebody probably gets shot at some point and has to have a blood on their tummy. There's okay. always a that is a fun movie to watch if you uh, if you <laughs> home of not. It's good. Um, I also know that he and Doug Beswick worked on a movie called Octoman. Yeah. Oh, and that's a good one. And Octoman, Octoman, uh, he tells the story about it. It's when he first learned not to believe, you know, producers and directors and stuff. And they, he, you know, because they were, they told him, well, don't worry about making it awesome. It's like, we're not going to see it very much. It's mm-hmm. going to be, you know, in the dark. And, and, uh, so they made a, uh, they made a cold foam 
suit. So rather than rather than making a sculpture and molding it and then casting it in foam latex, they made a suit and then fa- they fabricated a suit and then they took the the foam latex while it was still in its whip stage. Uh, so it's it's kind of like frosting almost, mm-hmm. and you, you they, and they just put it on the suit and you let it cure just for a little bit so that you can start pushing it around and molding it and stuff and so it looks awful yeah (laughs) and it's this guy running around with like floppy tentacle arms (laughs) it's awesome yeah and of course octo man is the monster who sort of loses his little octo children that's right (laughs) the fanfic in my in my mind is that miss octo man like she was gonna hang out with the girls and he goes like just your one job is to watch the kids Baby's day out. You're right. And the reason that he goes on the rampage, it's like, my wife will kill me. I lost the kids. Octoman is like every sitcom. To get them back. And that's what I feel when I watch when I watch that film. But do you feel like even with that very low budget rubber monstery, do you see any sort of like any of uh what would become sort of like the super Rick Baker mastery? Um I mean Octoman. I I I think just the um, I don't know I, I I think the sheer audacity to make a mo- you know to make a monster suit like that, um, but I mean yeah I mean when you look at the the monster not really I mean kind of anybody could have made that. <laughs> Yeah, because it kind of has a wacky wall walker face. Yeah, it does. It's got this round. It's got. It's got a round. It's a beautiful monster. I don't know, like wacky wall walker. It's great. Yeah, it's like it's like the the worms in Squirm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those were cool. That he also worked on. Yeah, he did. Now those were cool because they were. You would see him pulling it, and you would see it coming out. Yeah, it's like the worms are crawling up underneath the person's skin, and and that. And now there's an example early on where you're like. Whoa, shit! This is kind of a, you know, this is this is a drive-in movie, but that was badass. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was, I remember first watching the movie Squirm and going, "These things aren't worms, right?" (laughs) Yeah, they showed those close-up shots of the back by that. (laughs) (laughs) The hell are they? Even to this day, I don't even know what the hell they are. So I've looked it up. But I don't remember what they were called. But they're 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 almost kind. They're kind of like a Lampers? almost like a cat. They're yeah. almost like a caterpillar. They're they they almost look um they almost look velvety. Like their skin is like, um, gosh dang it. And they got like little legs and they got. But they they the reason why they used them is they show these close ups and they they have mouths that open. Oh cool. Yeah and. Uh, and so, yeah, I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. You confused as well when you're watching it the entire time. It's like Bugs Bunny going Hansel. <laughs> <laughs> Worms. Yeah, yeah. And then I, I always just love the premise of that movie. That like you know, the 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 electricity is going into the ground. Right. And so of course, worms are going to eat you. Of course. Likely, <laughs> you the worm face. But then it has that weird, that weird other part about the guy coming to visit. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's really goofy. There's a. They actually did an MST3K of that. Did they? Yeah. Man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, used to make fun of that film. Right. And uh, and then next, uh, the big another after as we seem to be going chronologically now um, is Star Wars. 
that it was just the cantina right. people, right? Yeah, and he if and unless I'm mistaken, if I remember correctly, there's a close-up shot of one of the aliens that kind of looks like the devil. He's sitting there with like this big grin on his face, and he's got horns coming out of his head. And he's, he's got kind of this long nose. I mean, he looks like a classical caricature. That I think that's Rick Baker in huh. in uh, in costume. <clears throat> and that's something that's important about Rick Baker. Now, now was the Star Wars come before Schlock? Schlock was early on. That was in seventy three, and Star Wars is in seventy. So Schlock is important because it's the first time he hooked up with John Landis, mm-hmm. and it's the first time he did uh, an eight. And I think it's the first time he did an ape. According to what I can see, he might have done one in his own time. Well, I know he did. You know, he did the thing with two heads, right? Which had that and gorilla. Some, in there it. was a gorilla there, and that was uh, and that was him in, in costume. And then there was uh, Kentucky Fried Movie. There was something. Oh, there was a gorilla in that too. Ah. remember uh, when they did um, AM Today and the, the oh yeah, they insult the apes genitalia. That's the, right. The ape special. That's right. That's right. Comedy. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a huge. Was he? He is a huge Kong fan. Mm-hmm. He uh, like I think like a lot of monster kids and you know grew up with famous monsters and Uncle Forey. Um, Kong was just part of your DNA. Like that was that was your gateway drug into the world of the fantastic for a lot of people, and I I think that that always stayed with him, and so. As we see later on, that becomes very important uh, to him. It's kind of like, it's kind of like, you know, Rick Baker became the ape guy, Mm -hmm. and Stan Winston became the robot guy. For a while, until he became the dinosaur guy. Right. Um, Yeah, and uh, they, so Rick Baker and Stan Winston, I think, Really good example of two guys that are contemporaries that are kind of, kind of competing with each other because they they're they're happening they're doing stuff at the same time. Although I don't think Stan's big golden days, I think they came a little later. They came mm-hmm. um, in the eighties, whereas uh, I think Rick Baker's stuff started in the seventies and yeah, then just kind of kept 70s. on going. Yeah. Yeah, but they were, he was a pretty busy boy back in the 80s. Yeah. yeah. You know, he, he he started out making masks in his home, you know, learning how to make latex masks, like Halloween masks. Mm-hmm. And that was, uh, that helped him a lot on that Star Wars gig. Right. Because that's basically what they did, is they made a bunch of masks. You know, they, they weren't doing like a lot of multi-piece makeups and stuff for that entertainment <laughs> scene. That he brought that he didn't really make for Star Wars, and that's kind of how you get the devil mask and the werewolf mask. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. He had stuff already. You know, mm-hmm. it's like you make some aliens. He's like, okay. Like, yes, werewolf alien. Here's a werewolf alien. Here's a devil alien. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, next, you've got. Uh, 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 he did an alien. Speaking of aliens, he did an alien on the Richard Pryor show. Which I forgot Richard Pryor had a show. So did I. <laughs> um, uh, and then we get stuff like uh, we got an Incredible Melting Man, which we talked about, right? Um, and the Fury, which is a great movie. Um, oh yeah. Uh, People don't talk about the Fury too much. What's that? People don't talk about the Fury too much, but they should. They should. 
They should. Um, that's the double feature. Yeah, telekinetic kid. You know. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's you get to, you get to see John Cassavetes blow up. Yeah. Don't I remember Spoiler alert. the Fury the Fury there was a lot of um there was a lot of like vain bladder. Yeah, work. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um you know, and again, I don't want to get listy, but it you can't help it. Um it lives again and then you get Star Wars uh, Empire Strikes Back and then you get Altered States and now we're into the point where he Altered States. Tell him. Dude, Altered yeah. States. I know. He- take time yeah we are we are we are but and he was uncredited on that but um right he still I, worked on it yeah again i think he was he was assisting dick smith I, I, I like most of these relationships in most of these movies dick smith was probably kind of telling people what to do and rick baker and folks like that were pro i'm just guessing we're probably yeah. doing the lion's share of the work yeah it's kind of like you know it, it, and and then the same with Rick Baker later on, whenever he's heading his own, his own shop, you know, it's it's a lot like Warhol's The Factory. These places, like mm-hmm. you know, Stan Winston gets the credit for making this, but there's you know ten guys underneath him that are actually sculpting and making Doing the work. Stuff, right, you know, right, 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 right. He's the he's the guy driving the ship. Yeah, and the one that makes the final call. The word instead of doing the work, I'd say uh, implementation. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because because someone doing the work, creative a creative director or someone who's directing and concepting, it's a different role. But I think they're also doing doing work. They they are doing work. They're Mm -hmm. not doing the work. Some yeah, (laughs) some but somebody has to have their eye on the bigger picture. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can't just let you know. You can't be in there. I mean, I'm sure they get in there and and stuff when they want to. Right. But um, you know, you'll hear, you know, and all those guys will complain at some point, you know, like, I miss getting my hands dirty. I miss getting, right. you know, yeah. um, even, uh, uh, you do have to make the choice though at some point when your career moves up like that. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. the same thing. It's like, um, but it affords you other, other, uh, other, other benefits. I mean, look at Nicotero. Right. He worked his way up to the point where he's a, an ex- executive producer and a director right. now. Yeah. So, um, but again, now we now we're into the eighties. We're in this. We're in the stride of his career, and um, it becomes just a lot of head shaking. The Howling. I'm just going to go through a few of these. The Howling, Incredible Shrinking Woman, The Fun House, Toby Hooper's Fun House, right? Um, American Werewolf in London happens in eighty one, and that's that's the real like. He'd worked on all this stuff, and 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 had done some great work, and and. Definitely had projects where he was he was the main guy, incredible melting man stuff. Mm. But American Werewolf in London. Now, backing up for just a second to the Howling, and on the Howling, he was primarily a consultant because basically Rob Botin was working underneath him, mm-hmm. and then he had already promised. Landis that he was going to do the werewolf movie and they talked about how they were going to do the transformations and stuff and then the howling came up and Rick was actually going to do that and then John Landis was like what the fuck yeah we're doing this yeah, 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 yeah. it's like he's like all right all right here I'll give it to Rob and I'll come do your movie God, did you say that did, didn't Steve Johnson talk about that that story didn't he tell a story with the show I want to say he did it might have been on the last one Maybe. sorry guys <laughs> Now that I think of it, maybe because um, 
because Steve was also working for Rick Baker and worked on The Howling. Mm-hmm. So it's very possible. That, you know, Steve tells a great story about how um, to illustrate how you never should stop trying to improve or never, never, never settle. Like it, it isn't done. It's the the work is never done. You just run out of time, right? right? So, ain't that the truth? He had been working. They'd been working on this, this werewolf sculpture. And uh, and Steve said it was amazing. It was you know it was it was wonderful, and all of a sudden, Rob came running in with a sledgehammer, and just savagely attacked the sculpture and beat the shit out of it. And wow. Steve was like, "Whoa, yeah, what wow. are you doing?" He's like, "Why'd you do that?" He's like, "I can do better." Man, and that <laughs> I don't know. Uh, um. But now we start getting into good stuff. Uh, Ghost Story. He was a designer on Videodrome. Yeah, the Ghost Michael. Story. That's that's my favorite corpse in cinema. Wait, Who is that? Oh, uh, the the lady. Yes. Yeah. In Ghost Story. Yes. Yeah, that was bad. Like layers of it looks like like gelatin and latex, and then you know a beautiful sculpt underneath. Yeah. Yeah, it had that translucency that that you didn't see a lot until later when folks started using silicone um, and or uh, just really innovative uh, paintbrushing techniques. Backing up to American Werewolf in London, mm-hmm. um, I'm sure anybody listening to this probably doesn't need to hear it, but that 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 transformation scene still yeah. still kicks game changer kicks yeah. every other werewolf transformations as I've ever seen. It's better than the howling. Yeah. Mm. I think that though the howling is really great, I feel he's too still. Mm. Yeah, it's kind of like, oh, it's kind of like they set him up and, okay, we're watching this. Whereas yeah. through through cutting and all the different things, and and, and the great acting by David Naughton, mm-hmm. that's that... It comes on a little sudden. I've always felt like he's sitting there just reading the paper, and, and all, all of a sudden, sudden he's like, grabs, yeah, ah, it's like... Ah. I'm burning up! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotta get then, naked, now! I like, I like that it was a bit dissident. Uh-huh. And, and to me, that, that's how it sort of felt. I love the music choice behind it. Like, sure. It's not what you would normally choose to put there. I'm trying but to think of another John example. Landis, that is what you need. Any John Landis movie is what you would choose, right? I'm trying right. to think of another example where music being used ironically like that. Clockwork Orange. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Custom Car Commandos by Kenneth Anger, who started all of this uh, yeah. ironic use of music. And just Landis, I think he has an ear for ironic, mm-hmm. ironic and amazing use of cameo. He's yeah. the temporary cinema's cameo master. It's true. Mm-hmm. It's true. They needed him on the new Ghostbusters movies. Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> Any movie that has a cameo, they should consult with Landis. There should be a Landis law in Hollywood. <laughs> Especially if you're like getting people from like chiller and horror conventions to be in your film. He would know in the script how they appear and why it's so wondrous. Well, the the thing that I think is important for a cameo is that you don't treat it like you don't set it up. You don't go and here's yeah. this guy. There can never be a wink to the audience. No. Yeah. Like, and look, hey, look who we got. That's why Steven Spielberg is so great in the Blues Brothers. Dan Aykroyd in the in the Ghostbusters redo. It's I 
I was I was watching it on a plane and I wanted to jump off of that plane. Right? It's like that's what you do. We'll, we'll get to it's Ghostbusters. Like... <laughs> We're gonna get to Ghostbusters. I got this planned. <laughs> um but again again, Videodrome, Michael Jackson's thriller. Come on, that Oh dude. Michael Jackson Thriller is so important, but more important than the video is the making of thriller that I would watch every Halloween on MTV. Right? Sure. Absolutely, because it showed you all the behind all the magic. But I, that was so huge that I can't even tell you. Yeah, and 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 and, and that came out of American Werewolf from mm-hmm. uh, and it kind of made zombies movie. cool. Yeah, it started it started to make zombies really cool. And they were easy comic zombies, which I respond very yes. much. Mm-hmm. They were wet. And yeah, yeah, they were. Yeah, they were. These were rotting, very, sty- very stylized. Some of them even were blue, which I love. Mm-hmm. And uniquely, like they they were they weren't just people stumbling around. Like each one of them was a character. Was a character had a, you know uh, a certain costume, and that costume you know reflected what that person did in, mm-hmm. in, in when they were alive. right, right. The humanization of them. <clears throat> and Rick is also in that as a zombie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, though not a suit performer likes to likes to be in all the time, likes to likes to get in there when he can. Hey, wait a minute! We skipped over 1976's King Kong. Uh, no, we mentioned it. Did we? Yeah. Well, Is there we something else we, we want to talk well, about? Well, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so as much as I hate that movie, yeah, um, I have to say that uh, up until that time. That was the most realistic, you know, Kong thing that you, you know, because you had the Toho, you know, Godzilla versus King Kong, which that Kong suit's awful. Oh, you know, the Kaiju Kong is not a good Kong. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you had this great ape suit um, made by him. You had him playing Kong. Mm-hmm. And that aspect of that movie is great. Yeah, and they and there was some amazing, some really cool, innovative stuff going on. The fault that, in that movie isn't that anything Baker did. No, 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 <laughs> not at all. No, but there was a, there was a shot, and I remember looking at it even as a kid. I was ten when that movie came out, and I remember looking at it and going, "How the fuck did they do that?" Where Kong puffs up his cheeks mm-hmm. and 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 blows. Um, he's you know he's drying her off after she's been in the water, right? How, and I still don't know innate how they, gorilla behavior. <laughs> I still don't know how they did that because huh. the mechanism to do that, it's it's that's very complicated. Or oh, it's, yeah. it seems like it to me, anyways. Even now, hmm. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 no. I uh, uh, I, I do. Have we we've talked about a lot, so I know there's not much to say. Yeah, no, there's not. Um, uh, and next is Greystoke in '84. Talking Dude, about apes or primates. Holy shit! Those apes, amazing. Are, Talk are, about are, characters, man. Yeah, absolutely. Each one's a character, and uh, they look great and they move great. Um, absolutely, and they were able to mix them with real apes. You know, they had like the uh, baby mm-hmm. um, gorillas were you know were real baby gorillas and and. So so badass, so badass. That's you know, and that's that's a movie that um, I can watch over and over again, even though I don't 
care it loses that much. me. I, I don't care that much about the characters and the writing and all that. But I, the apes, yeah, well, man, I, I watch yeah. the well, apes. Once they get out of the jungle, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I kind of, I, I continue to watch, but I, I, um, I phase out a little yeah. bit. Um, I, I still, not that we ever need another Tarzan movie, but they, I, I really don't think they've ever done Tarzan right. Um, Greystoke was close. That first two thirds was close. Yeah, I think. But that, um, yeah. Uh, after that, uh, we're you don't mid- like the pre-code uh, Tarzan movies? No, no. no. <laughs> yeah. Anytime I see a, a, a line of of uh, uh, black guys carrying shit, I go, eh. <laughs> uh, "We're in, we're in, we're, this is we're in questionable territory right now." Um, I remember a Tarzan movie that. I I remember because of nostalgic reasons, and it was, uh, and 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 I only saw it once. I saw it like when I was I don't know three, four, something like that. All I can remember is that there was a big golden Buddha. Wow! And and it was in color. It was uh, Ron. It was probably Ron Ely. Hmm. Um, okay, playing Tarzan. Yeah, I remember that. One. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it's, he had yeah. a TV show. So, well, supposedly the like the cheetah in the Johnny Weiss Miller movies yeah. was an asshole and would bite people and be like really horrible. <laughs> yeah, well, he probably wasn't. You know, he probably lived in some crate right. in the back of RKO yeah, yeah, yeah. or something. <laughs> he was so bitey on Creep Show. What's that? That's why Fluffy was so bitey. You keep them in a crate. That's right. right That's right, exactly right, right. what happened. Grumpy sons of bitches. Um, so yeah, 84, we got Starman, My Science Project, Ca- Captain EO, which which was kind of a big deal at the time, I remember. Captain I remember EO. Captain EO. Yeah. And going to Disney World and having the Captain EO experience. Yeah, it wasn't just a movie. It was an experience. Right. It was 3D. Yeah. And Angelica uh, Houston wearing right? a lot yeah, of makeup. Yeah, she was wearing. Well, she had that. She had that weird Giger thing going on. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She had like all yeah. these tubes and shit. I just remember her. going to see it as Looked a kid. Like the cover of Future Kill. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I remember going to see it as a kid and just coming out of it going like, I could have gone on like four rides instead of sitting <laughs> through that nonsense. Um, With the weird alien guy playing the the the, the his band. Or Everyone had a band. <laughs> um, next up, a uh, little-known movie called Rat Boy. Oh, Rat Boy! I remember Rat- renting it when I was young because, of course, everything I read in Fangoria, I had, I, I had to rent. Right, right. Don't talk about it. I don't think it's a bad movie. To me, it was so dark that mm-hmm. it bothered me. Like I wasn't ready at that age because that was at the age when I was watching like Parents. And just the dark comedy, there was just something disturbing about it that I... Yeah. And I never revisited it. Yeah. That's a strange film. Directed <laughs> by Sandra Locke, who was uh, in, well, a girlfriend to Clint, Clint Eastwood, Eastwood for years yeah. and was in a bunch of his movies. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's an, it's an odd little movie. I have not seen it. Uh, next up... Is there indeed a rat boy in mm-hmm. it? He's a, he, it's, it's a very realistic rat makeup on this i i think it's a, a little person and he gets found in i think new york city or in a, in a big urban environment and what they do is try to exploit him but he's not sophisticated enough because of course he's part animal and that's sort of like when the dark comedy and the cruelty is around that around the laugh and sue <laughs> i am exactly. not an animal it's, it's depressing yeah 
And okay. you feel sad for Rat Boy, and Rat Boy is not a sympathetic character because, again, realistic, flesh-like rat make rat makeup on him. Mm-hmm. I don't think of Sandra Locke as as a a, a, a happy. Right. She never seemed like a bun. Like I, I'm trying to think of all those movies, and I, granted, those are characters, but I don't remember ever her laughing uh. or having a good time. She may have never laughed her entire life. Um, <laughs> you don't know, a rap boy. But again, here you have here you have big money project Captain EO, small project Rat Boy, small project It's Alive Three, Island of the Alive. Mm-hmm. I think mostly that was just them using his design from It's Alive. Yeah, and then he does Harry and the Hendersons. Yeah, you know, which I, was another ape-like monster and creature and very cool. Some of these guys, you know, one of the things that you have to uh, respect is that they didn't stop working. Mm-hmm. So they didn't, you know, they, they, every movie didn't have to be Star Wars. You had to, you know, you, you kept doing stuff, you know, and, uh, and if you made a movie that was, you know, if you made Food of the Gods, you made Food of the Gods, you made a rat head for that yeah, movie. As best you could. Yeah, and then, you know, and then the next thing you do is something you know awesome um somebody who's like that now is vincent guastini although he doesn't he doesn't get the really big movies but like in this age of where cg is kind of you know laid waste to this industry in in a lot of respects we'll talk about that too because rick baker's got a lot to say about that yeah um vincent's still you know He's he's in there every day, you know. Yeah, working on something. There's a lot of sci-fi stuff. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's yeah. You just you make you, you know. You do it. You, you do it because you love it. Well, I think and you it, do it because you have to do it. I think people get this idea that it's like I, you. I can lounge around and 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 pick from a wealth of projects, right. and and I'll pick the best one. Right. And a lot of times it comes down to. Um, I think it was Michael Caine said that he picks the best role currently on his desk. Right. Of what's on my desk, what's the best of these? And let's go do that. Because mm-hmm. as a working actor, as a working effects guy, as a working whatever, you right. got to work. You got to work. Um, and that's one of the things that I find interesting about these guys that work in the shops is that they don't know what they're going into. They kind of know what they're going into. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times it's like, today you're sculpting a gorilla. Okay, and you start sculpting a gorilla, and it's not about mood or Mm-mm. or muse or anything else. Right. This, this is journeyman. It's a it's stuff. a job. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I you're making and you're making art. So what the fuck do you care? What eventually happens to it? Yeah, you're not Stan Winston. You're not Rick Baker. Your right. your name's not going to be plastered up there. <laughs> I know? would think it would give you a certain amount of um, freedom. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's like I have I'm just, well, I'm just dude. You're a session musician, right? Yeah, exactly. You're, you know, you're, That's you're a good going analogy. and you're working on these these projects. That's a good Fucking analogy. A. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so hats off to those guys. '88 uh, coming to America. Gorillas in the Mist, Missing Link. Gorillas in the Mist. Uh, you know, I, it, 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 uh, you don't want to just keep saying, "Man, he makes great apes," but. Man, again, he makes great apes. This is what I was saying before about themes that go through. He like he's taking primarily 
what's on his desk is is usually based on what he's done before, right? What you've done before. Right. And so I'm sure it's like, and he likes doing apes, so yeah. let's give him the ape, all the ape stuff. Yeah. Yeah, because you you become that guy, right? It's you like, yeah, guy. that guy, do you see the ape he made for that? Well, it's mm-hmm. like, and they've, each one's, every time that you think, oh, dude, he made the, he's made the ultimate ape, you know, the ultimate gorilla then he bl- he blows that one away with his next one, you know? Yeah. And it's like almost... Bop, do, bop, bop, bop. do we have a favorite Baker ape? Oh, mine are, mine are going to be... Uh, okay. Mine are going to be because of character. Uh-huh. Um, Greystoke. Okay. But I think... Uh, I, I've got three. Uh-huh. Um, but I think that... Uh, his most realistic apes uh-huh. are in Gorillas in the Mist. Okay. Because they you can't tell them you from... You can't tell. You, yeah, you can't tell them from the real gorillas. And um, and the work he did on Mighty Joe Young. I was going to say, Mighty Joe Young. Man. That's my one. Man. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. And, that, it's, and apropos of nothing, it's got a great score. That movie's got a great score. That movie, that's a... It's, it's a, a great, cool movie, man. It's it's primarily if you think of it as like kind of a Disney film, which yeah. it is. Um, it's great, and I and I don't understand why people dismiss it so much out of hand. I don't know either. Yeah, yeah. Do you have a favorite Rick Baker ape? God, I was listening to you guys say that, and I got it's like Harry and the Hendersons. It's something that's ape like. If we can include that in the uh, category, absolutely. That I would I would say he's wonderful. Yeah, how do you make Bigfoot lovable? You give him to Rick Baker. Yeah. Because he abs- certainly is. Man, that I, I think at the time, <clears throat> that animatronic head was the most expressive yeah. animatronic head My that had ever been made. My son used to love that movie, man. Yeah. Just love that movie. That's great. Well, saw it in the theaters. Yeah. What was yeah. the uh, What's the actor's name who wore it? Peter? No. No, I don't know. Hall. Uh, uh, Kenneth Hall. Yeah, uh, yeah. Kenneth Peter Hall. Yeah, the same guy Ball who... All shakes loose. The same guy who was the Predator. The Predator. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Stan Winston being the commonality there. Right, right. So again, everyone knows everyone. Uh, so now we're into the 90s, and we've got things like... And this becomes crazy, but the Rocketeer um, matinee. Damn, uh, man, he, I love that movie. He worked on... Uh, it's pretty unspoken. It's unspoken out there a little bit. Yeah. About matinee. Yeah, you don't hear it a lot. I think you hear it when people talk about popcorn. Yeah, or if they talk about William Castle. Right. Because it's essentially... Uh, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, 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 the yeah, John yeah. Goodman character is William Castle. Um, he did the coroner's makeup on John Carpenter's body bags. That's oh, wow. fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, and now you got uh, Wolf, Ed Wood. Then now it just becomes crazy. Wolf, Ed Wood, Batman Forever, Nutty Professor, The Frighteners... He did the the judge makeup the on the John, front, yeah. John the, the yeah. John the Aston. hanging judge, the hanging wonderful. judge. Man, it's and that. And the Frighteners is so good. Bone. Frighteners is a great movie. It's, yeah, in the theater as well. I was gonna say with Wolf, that was almost his chance to make his great werewolf movie, which we'll see later on. He he does and what happens there, but it seems like he wants to make a great. His first werewolf sort of rubber masks appear in Star Wars, and then he wants to make a great werewolf movie, and none of the actors want to wear any appliances in Wolf. And then he would go on to make a wolf man, make a wonderful wolf man painted over by VFX. Yeah. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. He needs to make, he's just, I, th- I think Rick Baker has a good Wolfman in him. Yeah. Other than American Werewolf in London. But, like, one that stands up. Like, the yes. Wolfman with the, um, without the snout. Not right. on four legs. A Wolfman, not a, I, I, not I, I a tell werewolf. you, though, this is a little, a little ahead of us, but, um, I was looking just before we started to record at some, some, you know, stills that they they made him they made Benicio del Toro up and they put him in front of nice lighting and everything. Yeah. And that work is beautiful. I just posted the picture on my on my Facebook feed, but it's beautiful. It is. Um Yeah. I, I remember when when uh Homeboy decided to go with a lot of C G for the transformations. I was just like you have yeah. the guy. You have got, the, the guy. guy. Yeah. And and yeah. and you why? Yeah, why yeah, would yeah. you do that? Um, moving on at sea, Escape from L.A., uh, he did the g- Michael Jackson's follow-up to Thriller that virtually no one's seen. It's called Ghost. Which is amazing. It's amazing. Oh, it's, Ghost is great. It's on, it's out on YouTube. You can find it on YouTube. It's, it's beautiful. It's like a um, haunted house. It's, Michael Jackson plays this weird neighbor and the neighbor, and the rest of the neighbors come over to sort of talk to him because of his spooky house. And it's just this pu- amazing short it's not long but like it's 15 a, minutes yeah but it's great it's very similar to thriller as far as structure goes yeah 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 yeah. yeah and yeah. uh the makeup which i see on your facebook page it's gorgeous yeah it's beautiful it, it is um um and there's it's so much great. in that movie that is beautiful and then you then it gets takes these weird missteps well when i saw the wolfman it seemed like a movie that was a shame that it was about a werewolf because we were moved that wolf element, the supernatural monster element, is a beautiful film. It's an it has an interesting story around it. I just think I couldn't commit mm-hmm. to the monster. Monsters yeah, it, like afterthought. I also I, hated the way it, it moved because I think as monster kids we all pretended to be a werewolf and werewolves don't run like linebackers. Right, right. And I and I feel like Benicio del Toro was a great w- wolfman. I, I don't know that I really felt it as 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 the man no um, when it opens and he's doing the alas poor york speech yeah that's oh it's awful oh and and it's so you know i i i think del toro's great werewolf performance is actually in sin city <laughs> I, I i think he's a he's he's channeling the werewolf in that yeah movie yeah that's as funny the, as the cop that's funny I would have liked to have seen um, a wolf like Fenster, right? From Usual Suspects. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. uh, and and then by the time we get to Anthony Hopkins turning into a Pekingese at the end, but good. yeah, but there's so much else there. The attack on the gypsy camp is amazing. Yeah. Which and Rick Baker's one of the first. Victims. Yeah, he's the first. I think he is the first victim, he's right? Spraying clothing and uh, top hat. Yeah. 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 Um, so going back, uh, Men in Black is in 97, uh, a couple of movies that didn't make a lot of sense. One was uh, A Thousand Acres, where he did a mastectomy effect. It was a movie with Michelle Pfeiffer and Jessica Lange. Hmm. King Lear on a farm in Iowa was the slug line. Um, <laughs> he also did a, a movie, Critical Care, uh, where he was, uh, he did makeup on Albert Brooks, which I'm going to assume is an old man makeup. Probably. Um, then we get Mighty Joe Young. Then he does a bunch of stuff with um, uh, Eddie Murphy. He did uh, he did uh, Ron Perlman's makeup for the uh, Beauty and the Beast television series. Yes, um, never watched one episode. 
it made Ron Perlman look sexy. He, um, Vincent Ron was Perlman, vote- other than looking sexy in general, would be Hellboy. Yeah, I know. But what, what I'm make- saying is, he was like uh, that character was voted like People Magazine's one, not the sexiest man of the year, but it, he was in the running. Yeah, because. Oh, he was like a sex symbol, and then he took his makeup off, and everyone was like, "Ah!" Oh. <laughs> I remember the insanity around that show. Though yeah. I didn't participate because I didn't watch. But the women, the conventions, swooming, swarming. Mm-hmm. It made Linda Hamilton. Swooning. Yeah, you know, it made Linda Hamilton yeah. star. That's true. Yeah, I remember the letter writing campaign when it was canceled. Right, right. But you got, um. Yeah, but I was too busy watching *Tales from the Dark Side* the series. I'm with you. I'm with you. Man. So yeah, he did *Life*, uh, *Nutty Professor 2*, *The Clumps*, um, uh, *How the Grinch Stole Christmas*. That was another uh, theme that that came came around for him was um, uh, the fat suit mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, yeah, no. You would think, like, with something like The Clumps, where he's doing, like, six different characters, right. but it's all based on the same guy. Right. That's it's got to be a little easier. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. Um, then in 2000- 2000. Well, that time period, I have a great love for all the Men in Black film, less for part two. Right. But I infinitely love to watch, look at his uh, creature designs. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There's, yeah, yeah. man, there's a. And I can't remember which one it's in. One of the Men in Black films um billy bryant who worked for steve johnson um did this amazing plastic bag monster just do you know what you know the one i'm talking about heather i want i know of the plastic bag tutorial and how much i love plastic bag monsters oh there's a he did this amazing it's like it's it's huge it's like seven feet tall and it's like got these tentacles and it's Gorgeous. Don't you just don't you just want to like just make some project just for an excuse just to make a plastic bag monster? Yes. Fill it up with methicillin just like yes. let's just think. <laughs> I do. I'm like I'm like as soon as I saw that I'm like, oh my god, I am writing something. I want to do a fan film about the life of the plastic bag monster from Creepshow 2 and his family with the little bags. Yes. And he's training his little bag monsters to attack people that come into the lake. And they're, they're the misadventures and failures until he finally gets it at the end. That's what I would like to do. Okay. It would be horrible. It would let's have make lots that happen. Of yeah, let's make that happen. Um, 2000. So, Kickstarter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, How the Grinch Sold Christmas. Yeah, uh, that was a big one. Yeah. Doing the Who's there, yeah. in Whoville. Uh, Planet of the Apes was next. So, uh, go ahead. There's uh, So, again, we have apes. Yes. But these are different apes now. This isn't, these apes, It's these aren't, these aren't the gorillas and the mist apes. No. These are Planet of the Ape apes, so they... Yeah, it's his go at that. Yeah. Um, Tim Roth. Tim Roth, man. And the makeup on Tim Roth. Badass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so much in that movie that makes no sense, but again, so much that's... I love the Gorilla Guards. I think they're the best. Wonderful. Movie was an incredible disappointment. Yeah, I think the addition of the loping when they ran was very, very cool. Uh, 
Uh, Helena Barham Carter, I have no idea what they were thinking there. Well, Tim Burton's like, you're not going to make my my girl look ugly. So you're going to make her pretty, so let's, a yeah. pretty ape. Let's let's deep six the entire... Yeah. <laughs> yeah there's, anyway, we, we've talked about Planet of the Apes mm-hmm. before. So, um, Men in Black 2 is next. The Ring, Haunted Mansion. Um... Hellboy comes in 2004. He was a consultant on Hel- on the Hellboy makeup. Right. And, uh, yeah, I, I want to say it was, was it DDT who actually did the, the stuff? I, mm. I can't remember now. Spectral Motion? I, I, mm. I can't. I'm just going to start randomly naming names. But know, anyway, right? um, yeah, he was, he was there, um, basically saying, here's, here's, here's what I would do. Right. Now, I'm sure he he might have helped with the with the horns too, mm. because having a, you know big head appliances. Mm-hmm. Um, 2005, Cursed, Ring Two, X Men: Last Stand. So he's still pulling down good paychecks. Yeah, I've not I'm, I don't remember anything that stood out. I mean, X Men: Last Stand. There was a, there was a few things, but um, there were some things. There were some X Men's. Yeah, <laughs> again, consulting mostly. <laughs> Consulting mostly. Uh, we've got 2006 Click, Norbit, Enchanted, Tropic Thunder. He did the makeup on Robert Downey Jr. Mm. So there's that. Uh, Wolfman is in 2010. And then we got Tron Legacy, Men in Black 3. And then Maleficent is technically... He, he said it's, it was his last film, but he's made a couple of sh- shorts. Right. Um, and then he just... Well, as he... In, 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 as he went along towards the end, he he started incorporating more digital stuff, mm-hmm. and he and he would do the designing in the computer, ZBrush and and, and all that stuff, um, to make the the process easier for the for the CGI guys to you know to make that marriage happen between the practical and and uh, but you know the guy had. Uh, uh, there's a great article, I think it's a Vice article, um, that came out probably about the same time that he did his uh, his big auction, uh-huh. closed his shop and, and did the big auction. Um, he had a, his shop was 60,000 square feet. 60,000 square feet. And if, if you ever seen pictures of it, mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't just a shop. It was like a museum, too. Yeah, yeah, he had this whole exhibit in there of yeah. like the Wicked Witch of the West. And it was all these little pet projects Right, yeah, he would do, and um, but he said, you know, that was built for when we were making, you know, we had big shows, and and like, you know, he's like, I've had it where I, my company got hired to make a nose for a guy, yeah, and I have one guy in there working on this nose. The air conditioning bill was more than, know, more than the, the what we got for sure. the job, and uh, and he. He he never seemed bitter. He wasn't like some guys. He that... seems really happy now in interviews. Have have you? You've met him, yeah, Heather. I have. I what did they show? They actually were showing Men in Black Three. It was a preview at the AMI in Queens, and he sat down to talk about his creations and working with Sonnenfeld. And I got to speak to him for a second. Again, huge hero in my life. And I go up to him and I ask him about working with Rob Bottin, specifically uh, the, my theory around genre beard. And he goes like, Rob Bottin's beard. It's like, he got that from me. 
He's very, he's very nice, um, soft, soft spoken, with a slight edge, which is very, very, very interesting. And I remember during the Q and A, it's just what always touches me most, most about Rick is that he loves creatures so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the, his favorite thing in the world to make and to, and to and to talk and to talk about. Well, he seems very comfortable moving into that sort of elder statesman role. And, yeah, and and, te- and a teacher role, and yeah. and and he's also marketing. I know um, p- some paintings and prints of paintings and that kind of thing. And I follow him on Twitter, and I see all his lovely digital artwork, mm-hmm. and also the the effects he does on himself and the kids. Yeah, yeah he he'll post just, these videos <laughs> of like him just like you know paint my face today, you know, and and he'll paint, like, some crazy character. Yes, and, there's something very, in a, in a sense, like, uh, like boy-like about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah, there's yeah, this yeah. great sense of play and imagination. Even when you, you, um, hear him speak, it's, like, it's very polite, and I, and I noticed that when I watched some footage on YouTube of him winning the Academy Award, yeah, he he did his of accept- which he's won seven. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and I have a list of her. Um, but instead of like most people, they would pull a piece of paper out. He's like, you know, I want to thank Dun da Dun da Dun da Dun da Dun, and it was yeah. very prepared and very on point. And um, I was that struck me when I was watching it that I was like. That, that he would have prepared that much on the on the chance that he won, though I'm sure he kind of knew he was going to win. Um, yeah, uh, holds the record for the most Oscar wins and nominations bestowed on makeup artist. Um, total of twelve times with seven wins. Yep. American Werewolf, Harry and the Hendersons, Ed Wood, Nutty Professor, Men in Black, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, and The Wolfman. Um, but on May 28, 2015, he closed up shop. Yeah, put a bunch of his stuff up um, for auction, made a million dollars. Yeah, and is now probably chilling on a beach, earning twenty percent, kicking it. Yeah, not bad. Yeah, absolutely not bad for some geeky kid who, you know, read monster magazines and, you know, talking about he has this childlike wonder we've talked about this before that the 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 really great guys in these fields maintain that Mm -hmm. they maintain that you know forey ackerman ray harryhausen ray bradbury all these cats they stayed at heart kids and fans and fans that's yeah that's it is that they 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 loved it yeah there's an interesting thing I read. Uh, he owns a framed photo of Jack Pierce applying the finishing touches to Boris Karloff's famous Frankenstein uh, makeup. The photo has been doctored by Baker to appear as if he's Baker is in the picture, sort of assessing what Pierce is doing <laughs> and giving advice. We're talking about that's a geeky move, yeah. Man. It's, it's totally that's geeky a nerdy move, move and that's and, it, Jack Pierce is one of his. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I saw Fangoria did a thing where they had the guy from Anthrax interview people, and there's a big long one with Rick Ian. Baker. Yeah. yeah, Ian. Well, Ian's got that. Well, uh, I haven't seen it. I don't know if they're still making, but he had this thing called Blood and Guts. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blood and Guts. There's a lot of he's, he. Yeah, he yeah. went and visited a lot of cool folks. Jack Pierce is very much about character makeup. I feel that Baker is more about the creature creature design 
Yeah, well, I think that it was weird for Pierce. It must have been because at the time there wasn't there wasn't anything like creature design. It was all winging it. And what do you think we should do? And, Pierce and... was 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 less an artist and more a craftsman. Like, yeah, it was like, and he was kind of a dick. You know, from what I hear, is that he he, you know, he. If, first of all, he'd always wear this like lab coat thing that yeah, like yeah, yeah. comes and buttons around and, and almost it was, like a pharmacist. Yeah, and you know, and he'd have he'd have to do this shit every day so these guys were sat in the chair for yeah. all day long yeah because yeah. he had to rebuild the shit every day there was no molds and, and what on the blood and guts thing baker was talking about they were looking at different paintings of his and mm-hmm. there was there was when they got to the frankenstein when he was talking about like look that's like cotton and collodion he was explaining how he made it right. and how he do it every day and and um how there were lucky accidents that uh Karloff was missing molars in the back, and he found that if he just sucked his cheek in, it would give him that cadaveric look. Yeah. And um, uh, and them going like, yeah, yeah, let's do that kind of a thing. But well, he was saying it would take hours and hours and hours. He was saying, um, you know, uh, well, the makeup that he did in Ed Wood, transforming Martin Landau into Bella Lugosi. Yeah. Holy shit! Yeah, first of all, great. that's okay. amazing. Martin Landau has a completely—he's got this long, narrow face. And Lugosi had this kind of round face, and it, but he pulled it off. He did it. That's a great movie. That's a great movie. Yeah, but he always said if he if he could do a Frankenstein monster uh, makeup, he'd like to do it on um, what's his name, Jeremy Irons. Really? Oh, wow! Could you imagine? Because he has that long Karloffy type face. Mm-hmm. On the deep set eyes, yeah, mm-hmm. and sort of the sad, the sad elegance because there's some sort of even in Karloff's face without the without the makeup, a slight sadness, oh yeah, mobility, and, and yeah, yes. and the idea that 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 face you didn't need dialogue, you didn't no. need him to be threatening or or even compassion, you know, to 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 bring about compassion. It's mm-hmm. it was all done as oddly enough as Lugosi said through the eyes, through the eyes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, where are we at? I think that's about it. This he did these two short films in 2015, um, Talk Helps and Homeschool Reunion, which I looked for online. I have and no find. idea what those are. It's it. What I gathered is that it was some mentoring thing that that was that um he was involved in, hmm. and these kids made these movies, and he was. He was like the celebrity guy they brought in to yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, shepherd yeah. the... Yeah, and somehow it got tacked on his like, oh, okay. But, you know, but other than that, it seems like he's just doing whatever he wants to do. He's got to have made some cash. He was in an episode of The Strain. The Strain, yeah. I have that written down. Um, Brooklyn guy <laughs> is his name. He gets killed by the vampires with their tongues. I remember it, like, reached out and grabbed him by the neck or something sure. Huh. All right. So, in closing, I would say it's clearly that we're all fans. Oh, absolutely. How do you not? How do you not be a fan of this guy? I mean, like, there, there are great makeup artists um, and effects makeup artists that are personalities that you you can look at their work and say, you know, thank goodness for this guy. Tom Savini, and in the same breath you can go, God, what a 
dick this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's nice when they're nice. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. that's what that's what I I think he's really a good like ambassador about. for makeup effects as well. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. I love that he loves monsters and he makes them for the world. Yeah. Yeah. And he doesn't have any of that that uh, he he never was touched by all of that rock star shit that no. happened, um, and consequently he never suffered the burnout or the 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 ill effects of that lifestyle right. as well. Right. Um, Steve just, Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but there's I'm not no we're not sailing out. There's there's plenty of those. Yeah. No, it's it's true. Uh, Rick had had the um, oh the. I don't know the fame that that those guys had, um, but yeah, he was able to avoid you know all the pitfalls. All the, yeah, you you don't hear stories about him doing lines of coke exactly. Off of strippers. Yeah, 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 right. yeah. Not saying me. there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. What's Just that other? in moderation? You hear that about me all the time. <laughs> yeah, I was good. We were going to say. All right. So, uh, we'll go on to news and stuff. Um, first of all, I want to talk about a couple of people that died, as we do here. As we, as, as as we, we do. do. Well, somebody we missed last week was uh, Andrew Sachs, who was uh, the the bellboy on Faulty Towers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he, he died. Uh, Van Vaughn Williams, who was the Green Hornet. Yeah, man. Which, you know, I dig because... Because of, yeah. of Bruce Lee, um, but I can't remember him doing. I can't remember Van Williams doing anything else. He did, he was like a TV actor, and he did like little movies, a lot of westerns, yeah. that kind of thing. Like yeah, guest, yeah. guest appearances on Bonanza and sure, s- yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, Second Cowboy from the left. Um, and if I know I fucked that up, and I know that there's probably he was probably in something. Really I know somebody's going to tell us. What are you talking about? He was. Uh, Peter Vaughn from Game of Thrones, the some old guy. That <laughs> <laughs> no, he was he was he was really old, like in his eighties. Yeah, uh, I'm sure he's probably a character actor from England. That, yeah, yeah, exactly. That, I know who he, I know the character because I finally started watching Game Do of you? Thrones. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then John Glenn, who was big more as a marker for me that I just remember. You know him over him circling the earth and right. stuff, and that being a big deal. Um, and then also, finally, um, Greg Lake from Emerson Lake and Palmer. Emerson Lake and Palmer, um, uh, guitar player. Uh, Is he the first of the three to go? No, I think Carl Palmer died. Did he? he? Did he die? Um, no, Keith Emerson died. Keith Emerson. Died. Um, but uh, he had a great voice, deep and resonant, yeah. and and some good stuff. So we will miss those guys. Uh, moving on to news. Um, some of this is going to drive you guys crazy. Yeah! Are you so ready, Heather? This one's going to get everybody. Uh, I'm ready. There's some news coming out of this, this this reboot of Escape from New York. Okay. First of all... <laughs> no, I'm, I, it's, I mean, it, it's... Is it not against the law? I would hope... It I, should I, be! Yeah. Oh, it gets better. Uh, they say now that um, Snake, is a, Snake Plissken is a colonel... And his name is Robert. <laughs> sort of remake Escape from New York with Doomsday. Hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, there is no Duke of New York in the script that they're shooting right now. Uh-huh. Or getting ready to shoot. Right. Hawk, 
Um, Lee Van Cleef's character is a woman. Okay. Uh, New York isn't a maximum security prison. What? What? <laughs> and there's something about a hurricane. <laughs> it's a tourist go to. What's that? It's a tourist town. Yeah. Um, and there's something about a hurricane coming. And um, and that's uh, from an article I read on Fangoria and Dread Central. This is really dumb. It sounds nothing like Escape from New York. Right. Other like than a bunch of executives, you know, put down some ideas, set loose some chickens, they pecked at them, and they went, this is elements of the <laughs> None of it makes sense. Yeah, it's like someone signed on and they they wanted to just sabotage it at every every step of the way. He probably won't even wear an eye patch, whoever they cast. Right. Who will probably be the rock. It'll be it'll be Dwayne it Johnson. The rock. Oh my god. Isn't it? Oh, I don't know. Didn't but... I just read that that, that uh... one of the, they're talking about the rock first came from New York, right? Damn it. There, wasn't there there was news about that. I know he was supposed to be Jack Burton. Is you know what? That's what it was. I was That's I was, what it was. I was gonna say. The rock is, Thank, oh, is the sorry. new Kurt Russell. I know. <laughs> I think they should have cast Charlize Theron as a snake. That would be good. That would make more sense. That would be fun. A gender-switched Snake Plissken? Sure. I'd buy that. Butch and Hardcore playing it like how she did in uh, Fury Road. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. I would would sign on for that. Um, Greg Berlanti of the Berlanti-verse. Arrow, Flash, all Uh, of this stuff. uh He's doing a remake, a, a feature film remake of Little Shop of Horrors. I don't mind this. I've seen a lot of anger around. Mm-hmm. I don't mind it because it was it was play once, right? Yes, right. Well, it was and a movie, then, and then it was a play, one, and then the and then the other one. Yeah, so it was a movie, it was a play, and, and the, then it was a movie. The movie, lots, lots of types of little shop of horror experiences. Mm-hmm. We can have another one. Yeah, I don't know why they. I, I would almost. Be more, at this point, be more embracing of this if it was one of those things like they just did with Rocky Horror or and Cinderella and all that other stuff. But for to do a feature film, I just don't see the point. Especially when it's it's a pre-existing play where the narrative is already locked down. It's going right. to have the same songs supposedly. It's going to be just a remake. It's the, the they saw the success of John Waters' movies and say like, hey, let's create a new cult thing. I don't yeah. know if there's an audience for Little Shop of Horrors. You know why? Because it's not edgy. Yeah. It's not an edgy property. It's very fun. Yeah. Little Shop of Horrors. I, 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 the only reason that I could think of that they that they might want to do this is to do it with CGI. Like, that's the excuse. It's like, oh, we could do all yeah. this with, you know... Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, these, Which is beside these, the point. These toys. Which is besides the point. I think the, it's the ending... Where uh, where Audrey takes over the world, yeah, yeah. But I still think that it's like by doing it in CG, it's it's really just upgrading the dress you're putting on the pig, right? It is exactly. You know, you're not changing the pig. No, you're you're still. It's just I love the pig in a dress. I love Frank Oz's movie, and I love the alternate ending. Yeah, Um, Yeah. and beautiful design on Audrey, dude. Conway's work on that is amazing. Amazing. Yeah. 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 All right. So Evil Stubbs. So Heather's four. We're kind of against. I think. I just think it's. It, I think like so many other remakes, it's just it's disappointing. I, I can't consider it a remake. I just want to. They're they're doing another version of the play, so yeah. I just want to see what 
what it's like. I've seen the play, what was it, like five years ago on Broadway. They yeah. had uh, the Jim Henson folks make Audrey, yeah. and it was it was lovely. Yeah. And curious about who the audience would be. Curious if they're going to make it darker and more edgy in some sense. Well, it's got I, some edgy I, stuff in there. The, the abusive dentist is a little... Right. Yeah, I mean, you take. know, I mean, they're feeding people to this thing. Yeah, <laughs> so enough for my sake. Yeah, um, they're delaying this. No one will care about this, but some of you might. Um, uh, Justice League. They're they're pushing it back to make room for Ben Affleck's Batman. So, I'm excited about that. So, there you go. All right. Um, we always like movie helper around here. Yeah, and uh, Walter Goggins is movie helper. Love him. Yeah, he just goes cast as the villain, and I guess they're rebooting um, uh, Tomb Raider. I was excited about that. With the okay. girl from um, Ex Machina as Laura Croft. Uh, Performance in that Tarantino movie almost stole the whole thing. Right, right. right. Um, let's see. Kate McKinnon is doing something called The Lunch Witch for Amblin. It's a, from a YA novel. I bring up Kate McKinnon purely to get to Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> which I know, which I know, you just saw. Um, I got some trailers I want to talk about, but we can let's. Talk. I saw it on the plane, and I did not hate it, and I and I felt that it suffered in its second half. It's 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 like what did I watch that did that? The, the movie with Eva Green that Tim Burton did about the kids. Oh yeah, Miss Peregrine's house. So. It okay. suffers from the same thing that movie did: is that you create a wonderful character-focused movie, and you want an action ending. Mm. It's just it loses me because it's like the whole reason this is working is because of the dynamic of the characters, and then you lose all characterization to have these great set pieces, and it gets completely lost. Okay, I haven't seen it, so I'm going to be quiet. Because the ending of um, like all the both of the Ghostbusters, it's a character ending. I mean, because Zool is the straight man to right. their characters which is why it works and this great absurdity thing happens and then you have sort of a a fun celebratory ending and it's just too much focus on action and you just you lose the girls i didn't mind it though i i I thought it was fun to watch i i i thought what kept occurring to me watching is like you there's so much wasted talent um all the all the actors are great um but they don't they, they don't have anything to work with it, it i didn't like the 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 story i didn't like what what you know the the i didn't like the directing i didn't like the story um i didn't i thought the jokes were bad hmm. i didn't think they were I funny laughed, i laughed a lot during it but then there were some things that fell flat like the whole arena scene with the yeah. giant demon cuz and a lot of the characters while some of them were great to look at some of them are so poorly designed. Like that demon thing is just—it's it, not inspiring. No, it's not. It's and, and very typical, that, and it's very and generic. And I, the the idea of them, you know, the fighting their own logo ghost, like that. And that's what I mean. Like that whole ending that was, was just what that was awful. And from a perspective, I think they were a little mean to that boy character because he kind of represents us the nerd like if, if you see it tom you'd, you'd have pathos for who's the villain in the movie mm. and they think they should have gave him a little bit more humanity because he's like a little he's like a pasty fat kid that everyone picks on oh, and yeah. so he wants to take out the world and i was just thinking like a lot of ghostbusters fans 
are gonna regardless of like size or gender they're gonna kind of look at the look at him and go that's kind of like me it's kind of like mm. so, a little mean and there were a lot of cheap shots about like his weight or how he looked yeah. and i thought that was a little mean-spirited I did. based on that the audience is a nerd audience like mike myself it's not going to be a big surprise that I I hated the effects in it. Like they just they drove me nuts. I I hate all of it. I, I did hated, not. I hated all the effects in it because they were all so. In in the first movie, in the first, and they even you know, and they try to reference this stuff, right? You know, they have the clouds swirling above, but it's just, it's not the same. It's not the same when it's not made with like shit that's really there. It's. Are you talking about cloud tanks? I'm talking about cloud tanks. Cloud tanks, cloud tanks. God damn it, man. It drives me nuts. And then, not just cloud tanks, but then, like, the ghosts, you know, they were done by dragging the the models through water, and that's where you get that that wispy Mm -hmm. kind of flowing motion. And none of that stuff was there. The ghosts in this are... They're... God. Oh, we didn't even speak about Slimer. Awful. And the- I'm not going to talk about that's Slimer. That's when I wanted to die. I think that right? was... It's like, I like the film a lot. It's like, what are you doing? <sighs> good film, and then there's stuff that's so misguided. I want to believe that the studios came down and, and suggested these things. But here's, here's my... the girl Slimer. Here's... Why? I know. Because that's crowd service for a fan film. This is not a fan film. That's why the cameos are not put in there appropriately. Oh, my God. The cameos. The cameos are awful. They're just shoehorned. I consider Slimer to be a cameo. And every time they bring somebody in, it's a big wink. It's a huge wink. The camera tracks in on Annie Potts as she turns around and, like, guess who it is? I hated that. And the other thing, but here's here's my biggest my biggest complaint, and and uh, a lot of people um, I posted tonight that you know it's like I finally watched the new Ghostbuster movie, it was awful, and every, a lot of people are like I loved it, I loved it. My biggest problem with it is that for me, again, I don't believe in, in film critics. This is my opinion. For me, the movie is what suffers from what so many other films made today suffer from it's fine it's fine it looks great you know but there's it's soulless it's heartless it doesn't leave me feeling anything other than derision for the the visual effects i thought it was funny i like the girls i think what happened is that it it, it felt like at some point I want to believe that it was sort of like a corporate order. It's like, where's our Slimers? Where, where's our big where's our big ending? And it was sort of schizophrenic because it's not in feeling with a lot of the character development and the world that they're creating at sort of the beginning of the film. You know that at some point somebody's like, oh, we got to put the Stay Puff Marshmallow guy in there. That's exactly what it felt like. It, yeah. it was not yeah. cohesive the way the rest of the, the films were made and the, and the characters. But they're all very funny. They have their... their the girls... De- I was laughing in the, I was laughing on the plane because it's like their delivery for like dialogue that you wouldn't think would be so funny. It's so good. That's what I meant. It's like the 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 talent is great. The girls are great. I my favorite uh, character, 
uh, and and for me, the funniest stuff was um, what's his name? Hemsley? Hemsley? Yes, uh, Chris. Thor? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, just being so dumb. It was. I. There's a part where, like, it's like something's too loud and he, like, covers his eyes instead of his <laughs> ears. <laughs> that was funny. That was funny. I, that, I laughed out loud at that. Um, that's as good as it got, Tom. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I don't know. My wife liked it. My wife went inside to the, in the theater with my daughter-in-law, and uh, she enjoyed it. I, I like Someone asked me about the new, but I, it's flawed. Those are things that are flawed about it. I sometimes think about it after watching it a first time that I would definitely watch it again. It's something that I would put on because it's like shiny stuff. It's shiny stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I'd rather watch Gromulans to the new batch. <laughs> oh God! Well, that's well. Then we got to make the Sophie's choice. Which one? <laughs> if it's one is on Showtime and is one on HBO, what I think I would. I think I just would watch Ghostbusters, the new one, just because it's the new new, and I've seen the batch so much. Go for a walk. Oh, by the way, the Gremlins yes. in Gremlins Two, the new batch. Rick Baker designs. Yeah. Uh, he was effects supervisor on that. Not movie. his best stuff. No. Not his best stuff. No. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, some of the critters in there are cool, um, but uh, I think Chris Wallace's are, are, are more, There's I don't know, there's, somehow there's more personality in him. Um, I think Gizmo the, in particular. Gizmo in two is so cute that it I I it hurts me. <laughs> it actually hurts me. Sometimes that gal so sweet it makes my teeth hurt. Yes, yeah, like on Mogwai Monday, and I and I see he posts like part two Gizmos, and you just can't even look at it. It's too cute. And I think I posted on Wallace's page once that was he driven insane, making the first movie being surrounded by all that cute. <laughs> he said he, he was, or he he tried not to be. That's just too much. I couldn't handle it. I did. Being a... by those gizmos. How could you handle that language? I couldn't. I couldn't. Yeah, <laughs> not strong. <laughs> right. <laughs> I do applaud the use of the stop motion in uh, Gremlins Two. The spider. The spider. Well, the spider and the uh, the flying one, the gargoyle. That's right. That's right. The one who gets hardened. That was a fun movie. It's awfully, it's very silly and it's very fun. I think uh, there's much more story and grounded character in the first one. But I think it's a good comparison of Gremlins too to probably the new the new Ghostbusters film and, the, and what it feels like. Yeah. yeah. If Tom needs to see it, I don't know. Life is short. I don't think yeah, Tom. I can. It. I, it's it's in my it's in my queue of my Netflix queue of. But if you're in an airplane to Helsinki for like seven hours, that would be the good time to watch it. Yeah, yeah, happen. I guess you're right. <laughs> uh, let's see. A bunch of trailers dropped. I'm yeah. coming all the way back around. Yeah. Uh, a bunch of trailers dropped. Uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming. Have you? Did you see it? Yeah. You don't care. <laughs> it's not. It's, it's I more. Or watch any trailers. Say it again. No, I have no interest. I. When it comes to news or genre news, I have little interest of what's coming out into the world. I have to wait till I get obsessed with something, and then I'll seek everything out. Yeah, there's just too much. There, yeah. there is too much. It's true. And I'm yeah. not like the superhero fan, meaning that I didn't spend a lot of my life reading DC and Marvel going like, oh, now my dream is, is coming true. Right. 
all this, this is coming to screen. This, this, I think, if you like that sort of thing, everyone seemed that I know their comic book fans seem to really are getting really excited about this. Uh-huh. Um, I couldn't care less. I don't, I just, it's more, it's more stuff. Guardians of the Galaxy 2, I watched that trailer. Actually, after our, our, our show, that's what I watched some trailers. It's like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, War of the Planet of the Apes. That looks good. Looks good. Yeah. I, but I but I've liked both of the the new Apes yeah. films. I I don't know about Woody Harrelson as Colonel Kurtz. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I think uh, I don't care. I mean, he's a good actor. I'm in. Yeah. I'm in. I was in in ninth in the early sixties. Yeah. You know, you can continue to make ape movies, and I will be there. Yeah. To watch it. Uh, this one. I don't even know what to say about this. They're making a Baywatch movie, and the trailer came out. And the trailer makes no sense. It's just boats and boobs and shit blowing up, and The Rock winking at the camera. And I Wasn't don't... that the series? Yeah. Without That's the what it felt like. I think you're describing the series. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Transformers The Last Night. Okay, I refuse to watch. Couldn't that. care less. I just... Like, could not care less. Any Transformers films because I love Transformers the uh, the action figures. I had heard, I had read somewhere that they were going to kill. <laughs> you really don't care about this. They're going to kill Bumblebee in this movie, but um, that's mean. Yeah, I don't know. About damn time. Who the hell is uh, Bumblebee? He's the yellow Camaro or whatever. Uh-huh. Anyway, um, they released a final Assassin's Creed movie or trailer. Uh, Assassin's Creed, I love the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the idea, and they seem to have executed it pretty well. I like Fastbender, so... Yeah, this is... Uh, they've done a lot of, like, really risky... Like, the, there's something called a leap of faith, where yeah. someone just swan dives it's off a building. Crazy stunts. Um, we were talking about... We were talking about... I was talking about this site with my friends. Uh, one of them arched their eyebrows, who's a great gamer. Why couldn't they find someone from... Uh, you know, the Middle East to play the lead. Well, because it's, it, he's not. I mean, the idea is that it's a, a guy in the future that they somehow tap into his DNA and put him into a machine, they call it the Animus, that makes it, it's like a big arm that attaches to his back. And so he exists in this world in his head, kind of a thing. Like they, it's kind of matrixy in, mm-hmm. in like that. Um, but what I saw in the trailer was two wagons chasing each other uh, or one chasing the other one and one hits something and explodes and as it explodes you see Fassbender jumping from one wagon to the other mm-hmm. um, right then and there I was in I'm like, show me more of that show yeah. me jaw dropping stunts and in and, and, and exciting foreign locales I'm in. Okay, cool. Um, and then finally, I was going to ask you if you had seen or heard anything about this, Heather. Um, Autopsy of Jane Doe. I've seen it. Is it good? Troll Hunter. Um, it's a it's a it's it's a horror film. I mean, is it a winning? It's winning a whole bunch of awards. I mean, for me, I think that this year's uh, uh, films playing the film fest, the the Untamed and Raw, are probably stronger. But I also think there's a there's a backlash in horror that folks are are wanting their elevated genre, which means like great indie actors and no horror. But mm-hmm. uh, 
Autopsy Jane Doe delivers. It has lots of great monsters. It has not creatures, but there's some, you know, nasty special effects in it. And it's about Brian Cox and, you know, this kid. And they're looking over this uh, body and figuring out these strange anomalies that are happening. And and it gets more and more dangerous to to work there as more weird supernatural stuff occurs. So it's a very contained movie. I mean, and it delivers on what it is, which is why I didn't feel like, oh, my God. Because when I watch Troll Hunter, I get so excited. Right. You guys get excited by Troll Hunter? I don't know if excited is the word. I enjoyed Troll Hunter. That's a great movie. Yeah, it's very fun because, you know, you have the great creatures, the creature design. I think it's very clever. I was actually watching some of it, uh, some of it today. So there's a lot of stuff in that makes me smile. I think maybe Autopsy of of Jane Doe for me is a bit straightforward and contained Mm -hmm. but uh it was you know it's it's, but it's a solid horror film nonetheless (laughs) the trailer has a great creep factor i mean it's the it's this you know it's the type of situation you would have expected in in an old night gallery where you know she's got this bell on her and they can hear it coming down the hallway that's very creepy in the film that's Horror films set in funeral homes. Funeral homes are inherently creepy. Sure. Um, and then you, for me, I was then then, and then you add the greatest Hannibal Lecter ever. Right. And I'm sold. I'm. I don't know. I, and Amelia Hirsch is a good. It's fine. He's a fine actor. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I'm kind of. I was kind of really hoping for something good, and and now I'll I'll lower the bar a little. I'll still see it, but I, I uh, that that really helps. Um, you know when my when when my um, when my as you say funeral homes are creepy. When my when my mom passed away, we had to go um, pick out the casket, <clears throat> and there had been a big um, flood. So we we go down these stairs first of all into a basement, mm. and then that's where their showroom is for their caskets. Right, and we're like stepping in like half an inch of water yeah and it's just like echoing off the walls and it's like (laughs) it was what are we in a sewer yeah yeah no um no they are creepy i used to this is has nothing to do with what we're talking about but i used to do when i worked in um i worked in funeral homes for about 10 years and uh doing you know two in the morning three in the morning you get this call to do what they call a removal, where you're going to pick someone up sure. out of out of bed or out of a out of a facility or whatever. And that drive back, <laughs> <laughs> that drive back could be really sketchy, yeah. you know. Um, and then going they, into the empty funeral home and, and doing all of that, you know. Can you find up. yourself talking to the cadaver just to like? No, I found myself <laughs> getting a concealed carry right after. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, the uh, real creep factor is, of course, the first Phantasm uh-huh. and Dead and Buried. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, especially Phantasm. Dead and Buried is so creepy. It re- yeah, they really uses the whole vibe. I mean, you just walk into a funeral home and it's it feels differently. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Like home. Home. Yep. Oh, well, oh, oh. For me, it's always it's- that... Uh, uh, there's there's that cloying, overpowering scent, scent of flowers. Yeah, the, the air is just heavy. Yeah, the air is heavy, and 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 I don't care. Like every every funeral home director, or every 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 guy up front that I've ever met has that 
creep factor. <laughs> they have a creep factor. It's like, I don't know if it's like their the way they do their hair or their the fact that they're wearing makeup. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, uh, I don't know how to answer that as one of those guys. <laughs> No, I think you you it, it's it's easy to to lose sight of the fact that that you know we we talked about the journeyman sculptor. Sure. You know, for this guy, you walking in and and being having your life torn apart right. for him it's it's Thursday. Right. And it can be a little weird. I I used to work with a guy um a, a minister who you knew that when he said in his house are many rooms. It's like, yep, we're wrapping up. <laughs> um, I think we're done now. And, and you did, and within 10 minutes, yeah, they, they were done. Okay. So um, let's go to what, what we've been watching. Obviously, we watched Ghostbusters. Right, yeah. Is that the bulk of it? or? Well, that yeah. was on the plane a couple yeah. weeks ago. Yeah, right. um, I, I've, 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 I rewatched things, you know. Right. I, I rewatched Iron Giant. Oh, good. Ooh. Which is which is great. Yeah, for, uh, it, I mean, for people who 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 don't dig two D cartoons, um, because they've been raised with the three D cartoon, like you should definitely check that out. I mean, it's it's a it's a beautiful film. It's a beautiful film. It's a great movie. It's um, it <clears throat> always leads me on to it, it. It's it's my starting point to, that sends me off on this. On this thing of other movie watchings, right? First of which is the majestic. It always it oh leads, sure leads me straight to the majestic. Huh. And, um, anything else? Um, I've yeah, I rewatched um, Jack Smith: The Destruction of Atlantis, <laughs> which is a documentary about uh, underground filmmaker Jack Smith, uh-huh. um, which is great. Uh, it came from Kuchar, which I watched like at least twice a week, or, like for the last several years. Um, right and I rewatched uh, Andy Warhol, American Masters, and uh, it's got something else. Oh, uh, the Wayne White documentary, uh, Beauty is Embarrassing. These are all films that I've probably talked about before because I watch them on a regular basis for inspiration. And you, Heather, what have you seen? I just leave things on TV all day long as I do my do my work. I could say that I had on It Follows because, like Langley, I watched things over and over again. And I, though I felt I was never quite as impressed as a film as a, a lot of folks, while having my back to it and not watching it, I found the soundtrack to be incredibly powerful and interesting and actually made me want to turn around sometimes and see what was going on screen. So that was very a discovery cool. of a of a rewatch. Right on. Um, anything else? That that's it. Okay. I mean, it's just things that are all. Well, there there is of course the the finishing of 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 Westworld. Yes. That's yeah. my wife was, just finished that and she really enjoyed it. That is that's a good end. Yeah, yeah. Uh, me, I'm continuing. To, I'm almost done with the, the watching this movie day shit. Um, Warlords, Lovely Bones, Cruel Restaurant, um, a movie uh, called The Killing Room that's very exam, very um, um, the Birkin experiment kind mm. of a thing. Um, but I but I saw on Netflix that uh, Yoga Hosers came on, and so I go. I'm a I listen to Smodcast and Hollywood Babylon and stuff. So 
Uh, I decided to hit play on Yoga Hosers, uh-huh. and um, I try not to shut movies off, and that one came close. It's really bad. It it's it's transparent in what he's trying to do. It's poorly acted. At one point, the Lily Lily Rose Depp just abandons English. She just goes, "I'm going to say the next few things in French for no reason whatsoever." Other than it's probably easier for her to learn the dialogue that way. Johnny Depp is indecipherable. Um, it's horrible. It is really horrible. So uh, so there was that. A bunch of stuff. And some of it was good. Some of it not good. I do recommend The Killing Room and um, Cruel Restaurant. Did you see the new teaser trailer, trailer for John Wick 2? About the... I've seen one where he's talking with Ian McShane. Um, I think there's one that came out today that has a lot more action. Oh, cool. And, I'll look for that. Yeah. That's good to know. Uh, okay. And, um, as far as books, anyone got books? You reading anything? Nope. Nope. I'm re- I just picked up, weird how books, I think, find you. Um, I, I work in a hospital in my normal life and, um, I had a patient, um, Re- bring the new, uh, a Lee Child book called Persuader. It's a Jack Reacher book. Mm-hmm. And he had already read it, and he goes, here. And he just gave it to me. And I was like, Lee Child, eh? So uh, I just started that. And um, it's Lee Child, and it's Jack Reacher, and it's, it's not Tom Cruise. But um, it's cool. <laughs> Heather, you reading anything, or are you just working? When I was traveling to Toronto, I was listening to The King in Yellow. Yes. Is it an audiobook? Audiobook. Because reading, listening to a book, I don't know any kind of book would be hard. Um, that's yes. cool. I like it's the references to New Jersey and the Jersey Shore. And I was wondering, when they're talking about Carcosa, are they really talking about New Jersey? And could you translate, like, the three moons and symbols to the different things that are Jersey-centric? Does that mean onion rings? I don't know. Carcosa is like North <laughs> Bergen. That's what I'm saying. That's what I think that they're describing. <laughs> yeah. I see it. Like, further investigation, and Heather finds, I'm living at the mouth of hell. 35, like like the liquor clown on Route 9 <laughs> down in South Jersey. Is that real? It is, yes. Oh. It lives like 15 minutes from it. The if liquor clown. If the listeners go on my page and ask what the liquor clown is, I will post so they can see it. And yeah. that will also prove that anyone is listening to this podcast. Liquor. I I feel like the liquor clown. I I I must consider this. I must consider this. I've been known to take a clown out uh, for a spin. All right, so we're done. Um, episode one or two. Rick Baker and a bunch of other stuff. Um, we'll see you next week. Absolutely. Christmas is coming up. Yeah, so we're, we're we're gonna have to. We we may be have some wonky schedules or something kind of yeah we'll, we'll, we'll sort it out yeah and um either that or we'll let you know by the facebook we're page. adults yes. we can do it yes yeah all right so for the bonus potato podcast i'm tom carnell i'm heather buckley and i'm langley west stay scared